fourth watch starts now. Everybody, you're listening to the Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight's going to be a long-awaited show with a very special guest, and we'll be diving into the truth about sleep paralysis and the various demonic attacks that seem to come in the night. These topics leave the medical world at odds, while countless people suffer worldwide. And tonight. We excavate different ideas and stories surrounding these episodes and one woman's story of total deliverance in Jesus Christ. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Sleep Paralysis from Demons to Deliverance with special guest Connie Young of The Nightmare. Well, it's Thursday again, and I am so excited to be back with you all, and we have quite an adventure for you tonight. I want to say a big thank you once again to everyone who's been so gracious to give and further the good fight of the Fourth Watch Ministries, and I pray that the Lord would multiply your gifts back unto each of you richly. If you're feeling led to help support this ministry, you can head on over to fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number 4 T H W A T C H. R-A-D-I-O dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. That's fourthwatchradio dot blogspot dot com. There you can easily give by clicking the PayPal donate button on the right side of the screen. If you would rather mail your love gifts and support, you can write to Justin Fall, J-U-S-T-E-N-F-A-U-L-L, Fourth Watch Ministries, that's all spelled out, F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H, Ministries, P.O. Box 1145, Snellville, Georgia, 30078. That's Snellville, S-N-E-L-L-V-I-L-L-E, Georgia, 30078. All gifts should be made out to the order of Justin Fall. We truly appreciate your support as we're growing and reaching more people each week. Now, if you're a new listener, we're very grateful to have you tuning in, and we want to let you know that there's a brand new show posted every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard on the 4th Watch Spreaker page, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com, Spreaker dot com. There you can search the fourth watch or Justin Fall. You can go to the fourth watch blogspot page mentioned earlier. You can also go to the Justin Fall YouTube channel or you can subscribe for auto download in iTunes. Now, I recommend that everybody just easily download the fourth watch app for your smartphones and mobile devices for free. And this way you're going to have the easiest listening experience on the go. If you want the app, just search Justin Fall in your app stores for Apple and Android. I'm also pleased to announce that FourthWatchRadio.com will be officially launching soon and will be a one-stop hub for your Fourth Watch experience. So praise God. Now tonight's going to be a controversial show as many solid Christians will not agree with the views presented in this episode. But after years of research, along with experiencing multiple attacks myself, I felt it extremely important to go ahead and hash these things out tonight. In the first hour, we'll be joined by Connie Yom of The Nightmare, which is a popular documentary available on Netflix. 
This film delves into some heavy accounts of sleep paralysis from a non-Christian perspective, although predominantly preserves the view that these occurrences are demonic in nature. And Connie was able to give parts of her story in the film, and they even allowed her to share how these events drew her to Jesus Christ. And she boldly shared her faith in the movie. As we finish with Connie and move into the second hour, I'll be breaking down more of my research and exploring different elements from different perspectives. This episode will include some graphic content tonight, and it may even be frightening for some listeners, especially children. I know we have some children that listen, so I wanted to go ahead and just put out that disclaimer real quick. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and welcome on Connie Yom. Connie, welcome to The Fourth Watch. How are you tonight? I'm good, Justin. Thanks for having me. Hey, it is my pleasure and my honor. I just want to say, I've already said this in the introduction, but I found you through Netflix. I know that sounds totally crazy, <laughs> but I saw the documentary called The Nightmare and getting into the sleep paralysis. Obviously, um, as you and I have talked previously, it is a secular documentary, but they allowed you to tell your story and they allowed you to share the gospel and how Jesus Christ delivered you from these episodes. Yeah. Um, how did, tell, tell us the story. We're going to get into the actual story of your sleep paralysis and what happened but I think it's really cool that your story got picked up off of YouTube and put in the documentary. So tell us a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, well, um, God radically saved me um, in December of 2011. And right around that time, um, I was very interested in making YouTube videos. Um, I When I first started um watching YouTube videos, I was just amazed. And I, I was like, that is the coolest thing. I, I started watching uh, beauty videos. And as I was watching those videos, somewhere along the line, I got saved radically by God. And I was like, okay, I want to make videos. So I'm going to talk about my faith. And um, so then um, I talked about sleep paralysis in one of my videos. I made a video about how I would suffer from uh, sleep paralysis, and it was a lifelong thing. Um, I remember, you know, feeling evil presences and stuff like that since I was very small. I mean, I would say like a, a toddler, age five, six, something like that, years old. Um, so I started talking about that, and I made a video on that, and it got a lot of uh, response, which which was crazy to me. Um, and since it's been like five years now since I made that video, um, it's it's one of the it's one of the main videos that people see on YouTube when they type in sleep paralysis. And apparently, the filmmaker of the nightmare um, he saw that because he was interested in sleep paralysis, and it was sort of I guess a hot topic or whatever. And he reached out to me and said, "I'm making a documentary." And I'd like you to be in it. We can come to your home. And um, I was like, well, this is a great way for me to share my faith. Because I truly feel that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ saved me and delivered me from um, sleep paralysis. And what what I would say is just demonic attack. Um, and so I agreed and he and his crew came over and never in a million years, I thought this this was going to be just a small film um, that, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect on the level that it was going to get um, viewed or the attention that it was going to get. So uh, it ended up 
going on Netflix, which is pretty huge. And, and people were just, you know, emailing me and messaging me and um, saying, I found you. Uh, they, they came to my YouTube channel and they're like, I saw you on the nightmare. And, and I want to just thank you for sharing your faith and, and saying that Jesus was the one that saved you because they had, they had interviewed several people um, uh, on the sleep paralysis topic because there are other people that also uh, experienced that. But I was the only one that, that mentioned uh, my faith with regards to that. So yeah, that's how that happened. And that's really what got my attention because I have dealt with sleep paralysis on a personal level. And in the second segment of the show, I'm going to, I'm going to get into my story a little bit uh, once we finish up our segment, but I know how real it is. And I know that it's demonic. Many Christians out there, uh, they get just really engulfed in the whole medical side of things, uh, mm-hmm. psychology and yeah. the problem. And, and I'm not, I'm not here to criticize people. Um, if I understand we've been brought up in a science culture. And so we do have a disposition as a, as a culture mm-hmm. to want to look to science and, and I'm okay with science. I'm, I'm even okay with some psychology so long as it does not go against scripture. But when we get into this idea of sleep paralysis, I mean, mental illness and sleep paralysis are two things that always, they go back to science and they go back to medicine. But I believe we can look in scripture and see that these are spiritual matters. Absolutely. And, and what's funny is I, I never, I don't think I have mental issues or anything like that. Like I, I was never diagnosed or I never had that kind of diagnosis from a psychologist or anything. I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't, you know, I, I was just a normal girl. Um, and just suffering from this, suffering from this and being terrified. See, here's the feeling with sleep paralysis. It's not just, oh, okay, you're sleeping and suddenly you feel paralyzed in your sleep. It's not, it's not a small thing. I mean, this is accompanied with gripping terror. And I can't even describe the, the, the fear and the terror that you feel. It's, it's worse than watching a horror movie, like the worst possible horror movie that you can watch, you know, in a movie theater. It's, it's worse than that. So, I mean, if you have not experienced sleep paralysis, then you really don't know what it's like. It's not just some simple, you know, superficial thing where you're just, oh, you're really tired and, you know, your body is physically just, you know, going through some kind of a paralysis. No, it's accompanied with gripping terror. Well, let's go deeper on this. I mean, yeah, there's definitely gripping terror. But the thing is, is sleep paralysis episodes on many cases, I mean, I'll say most, I, maybe maybe I could be off statistically here, but I believe from my research, almost every case of sleep paralysis in, in the extreme cases have not just been terror and, and this feeling but there have been physical manifestations of demonic entities in the room. Yes. Yes. Now we do. I do want to get into some of that, but um, I, I really, I want, I want to know some of your personal accounts. Sure. Now I, I, we don't have to go in that order again. I'm just glad to have you on the fourth watch. We can, we can literally, we can do this any way you want to do this, Connie. But <laughs> I, I really, I, the fact that you have been struggling with this since childhood Mm-hmm. And I really, I just, I want to get into some of the actual accounts, but for you, you've been struggling with these things your whole life. So I, I really, I can't imagine what that's like. First of all, uh, I've only had sleep paralysis a few times in my life, but 
after it all took place, I was able to write down specifics and remember what happened because it was not a dream. I knew it. I experienced it. And it was like etched on my heart and my brain literally for days after. So I can totally relate to you uh, other than the fact that I did not experience it my whole life. But if we could just kind of go back, tell us some of the experiences, some of the actual accounts. Um, and again, this is I, I want to get into the details with you, Connie, because so many people listening are experiencing these things. And this is going to minister to them as they hear your stories. Yeah, sure. I mean, Okay, the first account that I can remember as far back as like I told you earlier was when I was really, really young, five or six years old. Um, I remember being in my bed and um, I was waking up. It seemed like I was waking up. And uh, at the time, I, I felt like I was fully awake and I just felt and sensed a, a very, very evil presence in the room. And I, I just laid there with my eyes wide open and just, just terrified. Um, so that was one incident that I'll never forget. And that's five or six years old. You know what I mean? And, and that's still etched in my memory. Um, it's something that I will never forget. Um, just being so scared at that age. Um, we can say, okay, well, Connie, you were just a young kid and that's what kids, you know, go through. But no, that happened to me again when I was like around 14, 15 years old. Um, again, I was in my room. I was lying in my bed um, and I was waking up fully awake and I was lying on my left side. You know, I'm a slide, side sleeper. So I uh, woke up, had my eyes wide open and felt again this horrible, evil presence in the room. And it was directly behind me and I felt it almost kind of like hovering over me, standing over me. And it's a feeling of someone just, just watching you intensely. Um, imagine if someone were to just stare at you and they're just, they're just keeping their gaze at you for a really long time and how unnerving that feeling is. Well, that's the sense that I got, but you, there's no actual physical human being there. It's just sort of like a, a, a sense, an evil presence. And then um, it happened again when I was in college. Um, and I was in my, uh, I was living in an apartment. I had shared a room with a roommate, a girl. And, um, and this time it was very different. I woke up and it might have been me in maybe in another dimension because it felt very, it felt like I wasn't, really in reality, but I was awake, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I was awake, but it was, it, it was kind of like a hazy sort of sense of reality. Like it was, it, it's kind of like a dream, but it's not. And it's this weird sensation. Um, and it's really hard to describe, but I woke up and I saw my roommate over there and I was gripped with terror and I literally felt a physical, um, physical presence, like a bearing down over on top of me. And, um, and if I can recall, I did see that entity. It was a dark sort of, it looked like smog or like some kind of a foggy sort of dark smoky entity. And that just rushing up onto my chest and just kind of pressing down. And I felt 
like something was just over me and bearing down, and I couldn't move. I could not move a finger. And that's accompanied with the terror. And I'm looking over. I could, I could sense my roommate over there sleeping, and I wanted to call out her name so that she could help me. Because I literally felt like something was just holding me down. And, and it's just the scariest, scariest feeling. And I wanted to scream out her name, and I couldn't really open my mouth. I couldn't, I couldn't talk. Um, but you were wide awake. You were wide awake. I was wide awake, wide, wide awake. And it's, it's this in-between kind of reality where you feel like you're in reality, but then you're in like a different side, sort of like dimension. Have you, uh, real quick, I want to interject. Some people are going to hear this and they're going to think, okay, this, this sounds almost too much like a dream. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to I just remind everybody, there is a painting done by Salvador Dali called Corpus Hypercubus. Mm-hmm. And it's basically showing the crucifixion, the, the crucifixion, but it's showing the cross being what's called a hypercube. And what's interesting is you look at this picture and you're seeing a cross that breaks through every dimension. And I thought this was such a powerful interpretation of the crucifixion because when Christ died, he literally, he was declaring victory. I mean, cause it wasn't just death, ladies and gentlemen, when Christ died, he rose yes. again and yes. his death literally crossed over every dimension that was out there and yeah. it declared victory over every principality. Mm-hmm. But this cross, if you go and you look at the Corpus Hypercubus Salvador, uh, by Salvador Dali, you're going to see how this cross literally crosses over into every dimension. And I think that's kind of telling as we start getting into the ideas of dimensions, because I believe sleep paralysis is actually you experiencing spiritual warfare. I believe you're 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 literally experiencing spiritual warfare in an extra dimensional situation. Yes. So you're right there. You're you're still where you are, but you're experiencing the other dimension of it. Yes. So I I just want to say that just to kind of put my stamp on what you're saying because I know exactly what you're saying right now. And your roommate's laying there and you can't get one word out to your roommate. And you're, and you're getting the evil eye. Not only the oh, evil yeah. eye, but you've got what they call the witch sitting on your chest. Yeah. That, that's what they call it in other cultures, the, the witch basically riding on your chest because you can't move. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't really studied like, you know, the witch and stuff like that. I just I heard about that after the fact. Um, but no, I didn't know anything about, you know, demonic oppression and sleep paralysis and how that connects or anything. I just know that this is something that happened to me again and again and again all throughout my life. And, um, and it's unnerving. And, and as an adult, you know, in my, in my thirties, um, I, when I was living by myself in a condo by myself, a two bedroom condo here in California. Um, and I don't, I was not saved. Like, you know, you grow up in the church and, you know, you know about Jesus, but it's one thing to, to be that. And then to be a born again, saved Christian. Um, Amen. Yeah, it's totally different. So I I wasn't saved. So from the time that I was getting sleep paralysis until I was saved, that's why I was getting sleep paralysis. That's why I was getting demonic attacks. That's how I believe was because I had not been saved yet. And I was living in a a life of sin. I was totally devoid of, of God, of Holy Spirit. I was basically demonically op- oppressed and that oppression manifested itself in my sleep paralysis 
and um, and the demonic oppression also in my heart. I'm just feeling so empty and feeling like my life was so meaningless and and feeling so broken um, and having just just nothing inside. You know, no life in me. I was just a I'm just dead spiritually, absolutely dead. And what I think is in the demonic realm, they, they feed on people like that. We're just puppets to them. Like they, they're like, okay, well, this is somebody, they don't have Holy spirit. They don't have the strength of Christ. They don't have that. So let me have a little fun with this. person. Oh, exactly. And what's, what's, what's interesting about this, Connie, is that you get into the whole scenario of the doctors that are going to say, well, but really, the doctors, if they're being honest, and you can read reports on this, ladies and gentlemen, I'll, I'll go over some of them later on, but uh, they're puzzled by this. Doctors, yeah. even even though they try to explain scientifically what's going on, they still can't. They always mm-hmm. end up back at ground zero because they try to say, well, this is this, this is this. Well, it could be this. No doctors fully agree on this. So they come up with the name sleep paralysis. Yeah. And they try to give an example. Well, it's because you're you're falling asleep on your back and you're really a side sleeper, and you know you don't actually fall asleep, and your eyes start uh, you know gyrating like they're at the nightclub. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, uh, it, it's it's so ridiculous. And you know, I, I understand the doctors are trying to do a service to humanity, but in reality, what is it called when you go? What what is a doctor's career called? It's called a practice. Mm, yeah. And I think that's very telling. They're practicing. They still don't know. I mean, why, they say we are practicing medicine because it's it's trial and error. That's why the textbook, they have to see that they go back to their textbooks and say, okay, we'll have this case, this case, and this case. They try to make sense of it all, but the textbook they really need to be looking at is the one called the Holy Bible because yes. we see demons manifesting. And there's people that deal with this in the daytime. So it's not always at nighttime uh, this kind of goes along with even what's called the black-eyed children phenomena or the black-eyed kids, where the kids knock on your door, their eyes are totally blacked out, and they ask to come inside. And if people let these kids inside, they're instantly hit with the paralysis no matter what time of day it is. Mm-hmm. And it's been described as psychic vampires. I, I know that's kind of just a, a slang term. Uh, I'm not going to say that I agree with all the definition of that, but people will say it's like a psychic vampire because they will come in and they will suck the force out of you and you can't move. You can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And the demonic things happen in your home for so long. See, demons will start off by coming in. They will start by trying to get your attention. And what they do is the demons have to work on a timeline. Basically, they have to progress. You've got manifestations uh, you've got to the point where they are infested. You've got the infestation stages, and then you've got the possession. It, it gets to oppression and then possession. And so they were, they were. I believe they were trying to work in your life to the point where they could possess you. Oh, absolutely. Praise God that we did not have that happen. Oh no, absolutely. And if I, if God didn't save me, um, I, I don't know where I'd be. I, I would probably be dead or just living a a horribly wicked life um, that has no hope. And um, yeah, and I think I think they knew that God would eventually save me. Um, You know, there's a spiritual realm where there's things that are happening. And I think they knew that that God would save me. And they knew that I would be a radical um, evangelist for Christ. Like I it's my whole life. Um, it's who I am. That's how I identify myself. I, I'm, I'm a saved Bible believing born again, Christian, and I'm going to talk about Jesus whenever I can. Um, and they knew that 
So I think I was targeted. I think in the spiritual realm, they kind of have a sense of these things. And so they go, well, she's going to, she's going to be a radical evangelist for Christ. So we better, we better try to get her, but they're not going to win because God always wins. Amen. You know, the fact that these things started when you were such a young child, I'm just curious, um, how much do you know about your family's history? I mean, do you guys have any, um, you know, in your background, is there any like Freemasonry or witchcraft or, you know, religions Mm. that worship idols? Um, I mean, is there anything in the family's history that could have potentially brought about this at a young age? Because, I mean, there are there are countless stories of people who are born into certain families and God has a plan for their life and they, they get saved. But because of their family's involvement in the occult or, you know, I've even got a friend uh, who has a, a Thai Buddhist background in her family. And I mean, even stuff like that, there's idol worship, there's different things. I mean, is there anything in your background that you think might have started this at a young age? I know that my mom would, um, she was claimed she was a Christian, but she would go and talk to like fortune tellers and things like that. And, you know, when you go and talk to psychics and fortune tellers, that means that you don't have faith because you need to get some kind of assurance of your life um, through uh, someone else telling you, you know, what's going to happen to you or, or this or that. This was when um, you were a child? Yeah, she she would go and, and see fortune tellers um, in that you know, my, our culture, we're Korean ethnically. Um, and she and she she did that up until recently. Um, where and then she became saved and she was like, you know what, I don't need to do that anymore. But um, yeah, I know that my mom um, did that. So that's the only thing I know of any kind of family thing that might be related. First, I want to point out you made a really great point. I think this is going to minister to somebody out there. You mentioned your mom, you know, was a professing Christian. Right. But she got <laughs> saved. <laughs> this this is very telling. Yeah. And, and, you know, I laugh with joy. I laugh with joy yeah. because it wouldn't be something we could laugh at if your mom didn't get saved. But we can laugh because this is this is awesome. This is how things are. People really, they think they're saved. They have a, a basic understanding of Jesus Christ and then they're operating in the world, not as a Christian. And then they, they start to do these things. And then the Lord, he shows his grace. He shows his mercy. Our God is long suffering. Praise God. And then they get to a point and then they get saved for real. And they realize, wow, I had a kind of a basic knowledge of Jesus. I believed in him, but I had not been converted for him. Yes. So I think this is awesome the way that that just came out of your mouth. That was really cool. Um, I want to take everybody back to the book of Acts for a quick second because some people are going to say, well, psychics, they're all just a bunch of hoaxers. Well, no, not exactly. Matter of fact, I had this conversation with my friends uh, on Canary Cry Radio a couple weeks ago, and we talked about in the book of Acts, there is a girl who had a spirit of divination, and depending on what translation of the Bible you have, she had a spirit of soothsaying. Mm. And the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say that she had a gift of deceiving people. The Bible says she had a spirit of divination or soothsaying. You go to your Strong's Concordance, it's all written in the Greek language. She was a fortune teller, and it was not her, it was a spirit that was in her. Mm-hmm. Spirits, this is going back to that unseen realm, that spiritual realm that we mentioned already, and the spirits do have a knowledge. They have knowledge outside of time. Yes. So they can bring these little fortunes. They can bring uh, so much as the Lord allows them in these days. But what happened was Paul said, you know what? I'm going to cast this demon out of her. So Paul cast the demon out. And then here come her handlers, or what I like to call her pimps. They got upset because their moneymaker couldn't tell fortunes anymore 
because the demon that was telling the fortunes got cast out. And they tried to have Paul. Oh, boy, they were not happy with Paul. They said, this man has hurt our business. <laughs> and it's funny because people, I mean, you know, people are always like, they're like, well, fortune tellers, they're not real. They're not real. Well, actually, some of them are fake. But biblically speaking, there are demons that will possess these people. And it is very real. And that's how they're able to bring fortunes. So if your mother was seeing these psychics and fortune tellers, you know, she might have been seeing some fake ones at one point. You know, we don't know. But we do know that there are demons involved in this. So it's very possible that spirits followed your mother home and came into the house. Looking back on my sleep paralysis inexperiences, I I feel like I was targeted. Um, I don't know if it had to do with anything to do with it, my family or anything like that. But I think in the spiritual realm, just if you're a true Christian, you will be targeted, period. Um, Amen. Yeah. And so just looking back on it, I was like, well, I could look at it in a negative way. Like, oh, why did that have to happen to me? Um, why did I have to go through that horrible experience? But in another sense, I can praise God because I'm like, God, you knew, you knew that you were going to save me. And, um, and so did the demons. Now I do want to, I want to get into your deliverance story, but before we go there, I want to kind of build up to it. Um, at what point did you experience actual manifestations? I don't remember the documentary in, in full, but I know some of the people were talking about the shadow creatures with red eyes. Um, mm -hmm. What were obviously up to the point you were in college, you had experiences where you felt them in the room and they were they were pressing on your body. You couldn't move. Um, but do you remember any specific situations where you dealt with you saw the shadows? Yeah, um, there was one time when I was a single girl um, in my 30s living in Long Beach, like I told you, uh, by myself. I was living by myself. Um, and, uh, I remember I was in bed and, uh, I felt a presence to my right. And before the presence appeared, <clears throat> I heard, uh, it was something really loud in my ears, like the scary sort of demonic growling sound. Um, it was sort of like a vibrational sound, like almost like, it, I, I can't even describe it anyway. So first I woke up hearing that really loud as if um, there were headphones on my ears um, <clears throat> and very disturbing, very scary. And then the the presence um, appeared to my right. And it seemed like this presence, this evil presence was wearing kind of like a red robe or something. And I tried to look at it and I was kind of turning my head, but I was so scared to fully turn my head to look at it, but I, I kind of can see it in the corner of my eye and my peripheral vision that the person, and it, it seemed like it was like a male, a figure. Um, it was, it was wearing like a red robe and it was just standing there, just standing there <laughs> and looking at me. And I, I couldn't fully turn my head to look at it cause I was so terrified. But that's, uh, that's one of the scariest ones that I had was, um, in that condo, um, living as a single girl. Some people are going to try to say, well, Connie, you, you were living in a haunted apartment. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. but the fact is people always try to chalk it up to haunted locations. Now, while I do believe there are certain locations that there's great demonic principality over, uh, especially when you get into some of the Indian, the native American Indian land, but what happened with you, there, there's two things we have to look at here. We have to look at, yes, there are haunted locations, 
or demonic locations. I, you know, I know, I know the world likes to use the word haunted. I have no problem with that so long as we define that we're dealing with demonic. Um, but it's either haunted locations or haunted people. And I know people get so uptight when I say that, but really there are people that these demons, as you said already, as, as born again Christians, we have targets on our back. This is like a, a reoccurring theme of the fourth watch. I always say that. We've got targets on our back and even before we're saved. Yeah. And so, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But this is not a haunted apartment. This is not anything like that. This is you have demons that have been chasing you. Oh, yeah. All my life. All my life. Um, and it's it's crazy because once I became saved, the sleep paralysis stopped. I have not had one episode of those demonic attacks since I was saved. Tell, tell us how that happened. Tell us exactly, because I know things culminated. Uh, things got to a point where you had nowhere else to turn. Um, tell us the story of your deliverance. Okay, well, basically, um, when I made the video on sleep paralysis, I, I was not quite saved yet at that time. Um, I just knew that Jesus' name had power in it. And so um, as I was kind of almost... God was stirring my heart at that time. And I was, the sleep paralysis was increasing um, as an adult. <clears throat> and um, I was still not quite saved yet. I was living a life of sin. So when I was having the episode of sleep paralysis, one of the bad ones, I just said, you know, I thought to myself, Jesus. And I, I, I just remember as a kid growing up in church, Jesus. And his name has power. And so I, I, I said his name during one of my sleep paralysis episodes. You were able to get the words out of your mouth, even though usually you can't talk. Very difficult, though. I, I, I literally, literally hummed it. I was like, Jesus, like that. Like that's, that's literally how hard it was for me to get even that one word out. And I tried with all my might and I could barely hear me. It was probably a murmur, but I was able to say his name. And instantly, right after I said his name, the sleep paralysis attack stopped. Like disappears, just... Just stopped. And I was just... Now I was back in normal reality again. Still awake. Still awake. And absolutely still awake. And while it's happening, it's really intense. You have to remember, it's so intense. You just feel like you're in an alternate reality. You feel like you're in another dimension, but wide awake. And then once I said his name, I, I literally uttered his name with every strength, every ounce of strength that I had. And it stopped. It stopped. And, and, and me saying his name out loud with my mouth, that's what got my, um, that's what led to my salvation eventually. Because I was literally, when you utter the name of Jesus, you're, you're calling on Jesus. So it's powerful. You know, and, and even when a non-believer really genuinely calls out for Jesus to help, you better watch out because he just may come and save you. Yeah. So that's how that's how powerful his name is. Not only did the sleep paralysis stop, but uttering his name got my spirit, you know, going. And I started reaching out for my Bible. Now, I had a Bible given to me because um, I... I was seeking God. I was seeking God all throughout my 20s, even. And I grew up in the church as a kid, stopped going to church, you know, in college and stuff. So um, I had a Bible given to me because I was always like a seeking out 
spiritual seeker and people knew that about me. And some lady gave me a Bible and I never opened it though. I just had it there. And that one day I just started opening up my Bible. And, and that was right after I, you know, called up, called the name of Jesus, you know, having a sleep paralysis episode. And then I started reading my Bible and then God started working and he started sending people in my life, random people that I don't even know. I, God sent them. And, um, I had one friend pray over me. Um, I had, you know, messengers, angels working in my life and God radically saved me. Um, and that's how that happened. And I haven't had a sleep paralysis episode since. Well, it's interesting you say it like that. There's two things I want to point out here, uh, based on your testimony, you made the distinction between just using the name Jesus and genuinely calling on that name for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing magic in the name Jesus. Um, there's nothing magic about it. Uh, people think, well, I can just, you know, pray in Jesus name. And, and uh, actually last week on the fourth watch, we mentioned the difference because it's not a magic phrase that you just tag on to your prayer. It is praying in the authority, knowing that you're putting faith in that. Yes. And the same thing with sleep paralysis to just call upon the name. Uh, I mean, you've got Catholics performing these, these strange exorcism rituals and, and they get owned. I mean, the, the story of the exorcist movie the Catholic priests, I mean, the, the exorcist movie was literally to a T based on a real story, but they had to change the character from a, basically the original character was a boy and they made it into a girl for the movie. But the movie depicted almost verbatim what actually happened really freaked out a lot of evangelicals because they had set out to disprove the exorcist movie. They wanted to tell people, hey, this isn't real. This is Hollywood. But they, there was actually a group of evangelicals from California I won't mention their names right now, but they went out to disprove this movie back when it was out in the theaters, and they found out that it was actually true, mm. and it really shook them to their core. But the Catholic priest, they're over here using the name Jesus. Many exorcism situations, uh, I don't even like the word exorcism because really we're dealing with deliverance. Generally, the word exorcism deals with a pagan-type ritual where you're, you're basically playing with demons. But people have died in these exorcism. Even people who have used the name Jesus, they have died. They have been hurt physically, injured by these demonic situations. And what happens is they're not calling upon the name of Jesus genuinely. They're using it as if it's part of a ritual. But you, Connie, called on the name of Jesus sincerely. You were seeking real help, and he showed up, and he delivered you from this. Yes, absolutely. And and one of the episodes I didn't tell you, um, I just remembered right now, I literally had a presence or a demon come up in, onto my bed and literally have like, I felt like I had a chokehold over my neck and I was up against my headboard and just, and that just happened. It, that just lasted for like a few seconds. But I remember the demon coming through the door up under my bed and just, it, it was really quick. Everything was super fast. And I felt like he just had a hold over my neck. So that was one of the scary um, episodes that I had, and I forgot to mention that. Even in the Middle Ages, uh, the the terms incubus and succubus became very popular. They're written about in, in, in some of the Dark Age um, historic material. But the incubus and succubus, um, they, they use these names, and, and, and like I said last week in the show, uh, in dealing with demons, and people like to use the term kundalini, uh, is referring to like one demon that does all of these things. Well, demons aren't omnipresent. And so you start dealing with a incubus succubus. That's just the terminology people will use. 
Um, they believe in male and female demons that will come and they will, people will get paralyzed in their sleep and then they will be molested. And lots of accounts of this also in, in the sleep paralysis uh, arena. But you, angels are around us, good angels and bad angels. This is so important to understand. God has angels surrounding us. And people who don't believe this, go back and read First and Second Kings. You're going to see armies of cosmic warriors, literally armies of cosmic warriors that are gathered around to protect God's anointed. And we don't see it all the time. I mean, sometimes people do get a glimpse. There are people who get a glimpse and it changes their life. But there are holy angels that are down here to protect us. People don't understand this. There are so many awesome things that the scripture holds that we don't hear taught in church anymore. We don't realize the power we have over these things. And, and quite frankly, many pastors are going to tell you that you're dealing with mental illness, you're dealing with psychological episodes, or you just need to go see a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Or or I had somebody come on my YouTube channel um, and they would be like, Connie, you have a gift of astral projection, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But basically, you know, it's this ability to have an out of body experience and you go and you're kind of your spirit or your soul, I don't know, goes into these sort of um, different dimensions and I <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about it. No, no, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we are no strangers to astral projection at the fourth watch. It, it is a, it's a new age practice, and people get really good at it. And it's interesting because I was going to bring that up earlier um, when we were talking about you're wide awake and you even you're you're recognizing your surroundings. You know, you're like, oh wow, I'm still in my bed in my room, and I feel like I'm getting pulled into another dimension. Now, that goes back to children. A lot of children have stories of astral projecting. Now, they won't call it that because they don't know what it is, but certain children, they will astral project, and they think it's normal. They, they grow up in an occult family, and they have this, what they'll call a gift. Mm -hmm. There's even Christians. I've got stories of Christians who get pulled in their – they'll be in the middle of a sleep paralysis episode, and they will literally get pulled out of their body, and they can see their body, and they're trying to go back. Like, they don't want to be pulled out. A, you know, a, a, a Christian doesn't want to astral project. Right. But sometimes you get pulled in these these demonic episodes and I don't understand it all, uh, but I know that it happens. Yeah. And that's how I know God saved me um, for sure. Because when someone said that, that I had a gift and I can astral project and all that, I was not interested at all in, in trying to make that happen on purpose. Because I just know that you're playing with fire when you do that. You know, um, and you don't know what can happen when you go out of your body. You're you're in a very vulnerable state right there. Um, and yeah, sleep paralysis, it does feel like you're kind of out of body. Um, there was one time where I felt like I was looking at myself um, sleeping and I was like, oh, look it, I'm, I'm sleeping peacefully there. Don't I look like I'm, you know, just so peaceful. And I, I actually looked at myself um, and I think I mentioned that. In, in my in the documentary or something like that. But somebody was was a couple of people, several people were telling me that that was a gift. And I was like, I don't think you know what you're talking about, because I don't ever want to go. I don't ever want to be in that position. Well, it is it is considered a gift in the occult world. Uh, matter of fact, there are people who go to these new age websites where they can learn magic and black magic and all these arts. Um there are steps that they will outline of how to get started because they'll say you have to practice, you have to really hone your craft. Um, but it's interesting because in the modern quote-unquote Christian movement, I've said this before, um, I believe it's the CBN website. Um, 
yeah, the Christian Broadcasting Network, the Pat Robertson website, uh, which we do not support Pat Robertson in the least on the fourth watch. Uh, we believe he has very demonic ties to New World Order and end times religion. But Pat Robertson uh, had a page on his website teaching you how to practice the art of contemplative prayer. And the contemplative prayer movement is being sold in the Christian world right now. Uh, even Beth Moore and others, um, they're really pushing, you know, as Christians, we need to learn the art of contemplative prayer. It goes back to mis- uh, mystic Catholicism or Catholic mysticism. And it's very much the beginning steps. If you go and you read how, you know, you read the instructions, it's very much how people begin to astral project. And it's just kind of that new age infiltration into the church. Uh, the astral projection stuff, there are people who practice this. And if you're involved in a witch war, this is going to sound funny to some people, but there are witches and warlocks who hate each other. They're battling with, they're trying to fight magic with magic. And if they know that you're astral projecting, there's supposed to be a way that they can come in and do a ritual and they can cut your silver cord. And these are occult terms. But if your silver cord gets cut, according to occult literature, you're not going to come back. You're, you're, you're gone. Like you will never come back to your body. People play with magic. You know, you play with fire. You can get burned. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Ouija board. Like, you know, um, <laughs> you don't want to go there. You know, you just don't want to go there. And, and even though people told me how cool it was, and oh, it's not sleep paralysis. It's just something. It's it's a good thing. You should embrace it. You know, I didn't buy it for one second, and I and I truly believe that's the work of God in my life. That's the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 don't go there. Well, did you ever? Did you at any point in your life? Did you ever play with the Ouija board or take part in any seances? No, I I I no, I never did a Ouija board because it scared me. Just even as like a you know non-saved person. But um, I did go to psychics. I, I, I actually went to psychics. I was really into that. Okay. So th- this is kind of a, a new development in the story because th- this really, but it's possible that there was some oppression that was brought in from your mother and it trickled on over to you and dealing with the soothsaying and the psychics. So w- when did that start? When, when did you start visiting? Um, I would say um, we started when I was in college. Um, my the girlfriends that I lived with, they were really into black magic. Um, they, they were crazy now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, one of them was really into psychics. Um, we would have vendors come to the college campus and sell stuff. And one of them was a psychic lady and my roommate came home and she was like, Oh my gosh, I just met this lady. She's so cool. And she told me things that no one would really know. you got to go talk to her, you know, and stuff like that. And we're like, really? Wow. That's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, we did. So the other, she got the other girls in our, um, apartment to go and talk to this lady. So that's where it kind of started for me was, you know, I, I truly believe that these psychic ladies, they had some sort of, um, you know, alluring kind of thing where they would tell you things that nobody really knew about you. So, um, I, I started seeing them. And so even after I graduated college, I, I went, I would seek them out on my own. So, um, yeah, I was totally into that. I was totally into the new age. I thought I was like this very spiritual kind of, you know, seeker type person, but I was seeking the wrong things. I was really into yoga when I was living by myself as a single girl. I really got into the whole new age movement. Um, and and I thought I was being so spiritual. I thought I was such a cool spiritual person because I, I was like looking for the God within myself. 
you know, um, I was trying to tap into my highest potential because, you know, um, we have God within us. I'm, I am like God. And, you know, that's what new age teaches. And I was really into that. Oh, I was, I was, um, all into yoga. And my yoga teacher was this incredible, she was, she almost was scary because she was the embodiment of, um, the yoga lifestyle. She, 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 it wasn't just a, uh, 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 exercise for her. It was really a spiritual practice. And I would, I would describe her as having that kind of sort of Kundalini energy, that scary sort of, um, it is a spiritual energy that she has, but it's the wrong kind of spiritual energy. You know what I mean? That's the goal of yoga. You know, that's their goal. Yeah. And I was really into that. I would, I would be in my room trying to meditate and, um, and sometimes I would, I would get to a place of meditation where I would freak myself out and I, I would just kind of try to snap myself out of it. And that was all before um, I, that, that was all before I became saved. Um, I was seeking, I was really seeking something that was so lacking inside of me. And I thought that that was it. And I had all kinds of spiritual books. I was really into um, Eckhart Tolle who I thought was like a God. I thought he was just the best thing since sliced bread. And so did a lot of Christians because, you know, Oprah, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey totally backed this guy up and she did a whole, you know, eight part or 10 part series with the guy going through his book. And, um, there were Christians that would call in and be like, you know, this is, this is really interesting to me because I grew up as a Christian and, you know, Mr. Tolley's book is really opening me up to different things that I didn't think about, with, you know, with my Christianity, that this could enhance my Christianity, you know, and th- it totally just, it, this guy, Eckhart Tolle, he, he wrote the book Power of Now and another book, um, can't remember the name of it, but something about your life purpose. And people are so empty that they want to know what their life purpose is that they, they're so empty that they need someone else to tell them what the purpose of their life is because their lives are so meaningless. And I was one of those people. I, I was so empty and so broken and so living a life of despair in a way because that's what sin does is that you are dead and you feel like your life has absolutely no meaning. You have no purpose in your life. And it's a very popular way. It's a popular topic, and it's a great way for people to kind of get zoned into something that is not um, Christ-based. You know what I mean? It's not based on God. It's based on your own uh, self, and you're trying to. It's very self-centered. Self, and they'll even look at it as self-help in the beginning stages, and then they realize that it's so much more, and it's real, and there there is power in these things, and people people deny that. But, you know, people that they say, well, you know, I was a Christian, but then I got into, you know, Tolley's writings. What's interesting about that is that people who have a superficial Americanized version of Christianity, which is not the biblical gospel, um, they're going to feel a void in their life. That's not, you know, they're like, I've got to, I feel it. I feel a void. I'm not getting what I should be. And so they start to look in other places because they they don't have the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And, And you got people like Oprah and these others. Um, that, that are proliferating these things. But think about it like this. 
if, if somebody's listening right now and, and they're on the fence about these things, um, they're not saved, or let's say that they're kind of dabbling in some of the occult areas because they want fulfillment. The thing is, is people can get past sleep paralysis even demonically if they reach out to the wrong source. Because look, it's the demons that are causing it in the first place. Yeah. And demons have the power to back off. There's a hierarchy of demons. We can read about this in the Gospels, uh, where if you ca- if a spirit goes out of a man and comes back and finds out that the man is not spirit filled, that demon's going to come back with seven more spirits more wicked than himself. So there is a hierarchy. We see this even in, in the voodoo side of things where people will cast demons out with other demons and they're not actually casting them out. They're just calling authority on those demons and they're causing them to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And basically this is what it is. If you don't have Christ, if you're not spirit filled, if you don't have Holy Spirit in your temple, which is your body inside you, your spirit has to be in line with the Holy Spirit. You you don't have a foundation and you're going to seek, seek out things like I did that, um, that are going to try to cause you to feel fulfilled. And that just shows how, how empty people are. And we just don't know it. And we look for it in, in the wrong thing. We, we seek meaning in the wrong things. And we're trying to fill up our, our empty souls with, with meaningless things like, you know, new age spirituality and yoga and, trying to get a sense of identity about yourself. Um, and that was the case for me. And even while I was doing all the yoga stuff and feeling pretty good about myself and feeling very spiritual, um, I was still getting attacked demonically with the sleep paralysis, you know? Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's just really a crazy, my journey, this journey of seeking something and only finding satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the only thing that will satisfy because I I literally was seeking and seeking and seeking and I was trying to fill up this emptiness inside and I nothing would satisfy it. And it wasn't until Jesus came into my life and radically saved me that I I feel so fulfilled inside and it, it's it's a deeper sense of identity that you can't just say, "Okay, well, I'm a mom or um, I do this for a job and that's who I am. No, the, the identity and that strong sense of identity, that foundation um, and the strength that you get from having Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior. There's nothing that compares to it. There's no new age spirituality. There's no other religion or belief that comes close. And, 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 and that's offensive. And I'm sorry if, if you if you're listening to this show and you happen to be, you know, a, a Buddhist or something like that. Um, it's the wrong religion. You're in a false religion and, and there's only one true faith. There's only one true God. And, and and Jesus is it. That's it. And it took me all of my life to get to that point. But man, when it did, it's like, that's when my life truly began, you know? What would you say to somebody out there who's listening right now, who is a born again, spirit filled believer in Jesus Christ, and they get attacked with sleep paralysis occasionally? Because I I know uh, as a spirit filled believer, um, it's not a regular thing for me. Matter of fact, it's only happened a few times uh, since I started the, the ministry of the fourth watch. 
And obviously I, I was able to call upon the name of Jesus as soon as I could get it out. And I was able to fight. It's like as Christians being spirit filled, we're able to fight these things in the spirit realm while we're being attacked. But what kind of encouragement would you give the, the person out there uh, who's listening, who does struggle with this occasionally? And, and they are they are spirit filled. Don't get discouraged when that happens to you. Don't think that you're not a child of God because you are. As we as long as we live in this world, we're going to get attacked in one way or another. So I would say uh, just keep keep praying um, and don't give up. Keep strong in the faith. Don't ever don't ever let yourself think, oh, well, maybe God didn't save me or I'm not a strong Christian um, because I don't read my Bible. Well, just make changes and, you know, prayer, fasting, getting into the word and don't don't give up. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't we can't hold on to our past. Uh, We need to let our past remind us of where we came from. Uh, because that shows us that that's part of our testimony. But we can't change what's been done in the past, but we can definitely move forward in God's marvelous light. We can make those changes. We can get in the Word. We can fast. We can pray. And this is so amazing to be able to have fellowship with other believers. And, and by telling your story like this, it is encouraging other people. And if if there's only one person that hears your story and gets saved, it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Now, Connie, as we close, uh, obviously as we close our interview segment together, um, tell everybody how they can find your videos on YouTube. Uh, you, you do different types of videos. You, you do have your sleep paralysis testimony on YouTube. Um, but tell people how they can, they can follow your work and they can, they can learn more about you. I bet Connie K. Yom, so C-O-N-N-I-E, middle, middle initial K, and then last name is Yom, Y-O-M as in Mary. Um, and there's spaces in between. It's not one whole, it's not one word. Um, that's my faith channel primarily. Um, but I also do like, um, a mommy channel. (laughs) I don't know if there's any new mommies out there, but, um, it's kind of like a lifestyle mom channel. And that's just at mama yom, M-A-M-A and then Y-O-M. So there's two channels, Connie K yom and mama yom. Um, so that's how you guys can follow me, um, on YouTube. And, um, yeah, you can follow me on other social media platforms as well. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Connie Kayom and Facebook again, Connie Kayom and, uh, Snapchat. So, um, I'm on Snapchat actually a lot. I find it to be really fun. It's a great way for me to connect with, um, my viewers and, uh, we have a lot of fun on there. So oh, on snap. Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And just so you guys know, uh, if you go to YouTube and you just type in Connie space Yom, um, both of her channels will pop up at the top. Uh, you'll see Connie K Yom and you'll see mama Yom are right there at the top of the list. Oh, good. Uh, I just, okay, I, I did, I, I just, just in case anybody's <laughs> wondering, some people might, you know, might not have caught everything. Just type in Connie Yom. You'll see it all there. Um, we're, we're going to go ahead and end the segment with Connie. We're going to go into the second hour where we're going to be getting into some other accounts of sleep paralysis, some of the medical views, and my personal stories as well. So stay tuned in for the second hour. We're going to go ahead and launch that right now. Connie, thank you so much. God bless you. You are in our prayers, and we look forward to talking with you again. God bless you, Justin. Bye-bye. Now, as we move into the second hour, I want to bring some deeper research that I personally compiled. And I actually recorded this segment a while back, so we're going to hop in the Fourth Watch time machine and get right to it. 
sweeping across the world, manifesting and taking hostages in the dead of night, are many strange and demonic attacks on mankind. These attacks take place in the comfort of your own home, many times in your own bedroom. Tonight we investigate a variety of strange demonic phenomena that seem to leave people feeling helpless and in the grip of evil forces. We're dealing tonight with sleep paralysis, nightmares, and night terrors. Interestingly, in various cultures historically, there are specific types of demons that have been reported to be exclusively responsible for these different forms of spiritual attacks in the night. First we see the incubus. The incubus is a male demon who seeks to have relations with women in their sleep in order to father children according to the lore. Some legends describe the incubus visits as a torturous experience, filling the mind with indescribable terror similar to the modern-day conditions of night terrors. Then we have the succubus, which is the female version of the incubus. The succubus is concerned with seducing men in their sleep. Nightmares coupled with nocturnal emissions fostered the belief in these seductive demons. Then we have the Mara, which is a demon that became the root word for nightmare. The etymology of the word nightmare refers to a night Mara, or demon. The origins of the word are traced back to the 13th century. The Mara, an evil female spirit, which would afflict sleepers with suffocation, was associated with a goblin or incubus who caused nightmares. The word appears to have become associated with bad dreams in the 19th century. Then there's the Phobitor demon. In Greek mythology, the Phobitor, son of Hypnos, the god of sleep, is the god of nightmares. He walked in dreams, a nightmarish figure, visiting fear on those who deserved it. Then we see Epiales. Epiales is a demon spirit known for nightmares. The Epiales may have been a part of the Oinoroi dream spirits that were the children of Nyx, or the children of night. The Epiales means to lay upon people. But in almost every case of sleep paralysis, the victim feels as if an entity is laying on their chest, or laying on their side or laying on their back, putting excruciating physical pressure on the victim. Now there are many others, but these seem to be the most common types of demons that have historical associations with attacks in the night or attacks while sleeping. Now I should probably start by telling you the background of why I began researching this, and I'm hoping you will take away some solid insight into these occurrences in tonight's show, which will help you better understand these strange attacks. It all started roughly two weeks ago, as I was finishing up preparing the Bible study segment for the show that I was to record the following day. I crawled into bed, and I turned on an episode of Next Chapter Radio with Mary Callie. Ironically, it was the episode with Russ Dizdar talking about the Satanic Chosen Ones. Russ explained that these Chosen Ones are set up with the task of demonically attacking Christians who have a high calling for ministry and great works for the kingdom. I started to feel sleepy, and then a voice came to me and told me that I had better not record the Bible study that I had put together. The voice began to threaten me that I would offend people and lose listeners over it. The title of the Bible study, for those who might have missed it, was, Are You an Antichrist? And it aired at the end of the Nephilim Conspiracy, Volume 3. I then sharply rebuked the voice, and it went away. A few minutes later, it came back and began accusing me of putting together false doctrine in this study. And so once again, it was telling me that I had better not record and broadcast this message. So I rebuked it again, and I commanded it to leave, 
and I declared that the teaching was solid and taken straight from the word of God and that I was going to teach it regardless of what this demon said. At that time, the voice disappeared for good, or so I thought. I had gotten comfortable in bed and I began feeling like I was about to doze off once again when all of a sudden the radio show cut off abruptly at an odd place. This was strange because the show wasn't even halfway finished, but I was too tired to turn it back on. I then started feeling myself officially dozing off, when all of a sudden I felt pulled down onto my bed and I couldn't move, and then a heavy weight sat on my chest. I was able to see myself and my room, but I couldn't move or talk. Instantly, I heard what sounded like a demonic symphony of horns blaring into my room from the doorway. The curtains by the doors were blowing as if a strong wind was pouring through them, and there was a dim light filling the door area. And folks, this was a totally dark room with no lights on. Then demonic screams and cries and voices began to accompany the horns and blowing. The voices were a blend of really high-pitched and really low-pitched voices as if they were harmonizing together in an eerie unison. I now had extremely heavy pressure on my chest and my neck, and I started to feel like I was going to black out. I tried to yell out and cast these entities out of my house, but nothing would come out of my mouth when I tried to yell. I began praying in my spirit immediately. Finally, after struggling for a while, I was able to force myself up into a sitting position, and I tried to yell out again, but nothing. I continued praying in my spirit and I laid back down only to be pulled deeper into my bed and I started struggling to breathe again. As I prayed, I finally felt as if a bright laser flashed across my body and I jumped up into a sitting position again and could finally breathe. The only way I could describe it was as if my spirit had been pulled into an alternate dimension where I was being tormented and attacked brutally. I yelled out rebuking the demons and I laid back down in prayer. Almost instantly, I was pulled back into this demonic vortex, and the heavy wind began blowing and the horns and voices began blaring again. I sat up and yelled for my brother, and as the words were coming out of my mouth, my voice went mute again. This time, I looked over in the corner of my room, and there were these little light orbs floating in the corner across the floor. They floated about a foot and a half off the ground, and they stayed there the entire time. I was thrown back down into a laying position and struggled to breathe again, and I couldn't move. There were now voices yelling things at me, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. I was finally able to fight my way back into a fully awake state where I was breathing and I could talk again. This went on for about an hour. Finally, I had the strength to yell out and command these things to leave my house in Jesus' name. And I told them that they had no legal right to be here and I commanded them back to the place in which they came. I then prayed out loud and called upon God to send His angels to form a hedge of protection around my house. Then I felt a strange chill come over my body. I knew I was safe, but I felt pretty unusual. I was finally able to go to sleep for good, and I woke up the next morning still shaken by this whole experience. Now, I've experienced some strange demonic attacks in my life, including similar scenarios, but never like this. This not only terrified me, but was the most torrential and dramatic spiritual battle that I can ever recount. I started to do some research into this type of occurrence, and one thing led to another, and before I knew it, I was on the trail to another investigative radio show.
Now, although I suffered sleep paralysis, this wasn't the only thing that took place. But I found that many cases of sleep paralysis consist of similar accounts. This seems to be a controversial area of research, because we have different views that are circulating, even among Christians, which causes many people to be confused on what exactly they're experiencing. Let's go ahead and look into the official medical view of sleep paralysis, and then we'll dive into some pretty profound cases. First of all, doctors and scientists will try to coddle you into thinking that if you've ever experienced what I experienced, you can rest easy, because they assure you that it's not a demonic encounter at all. As much as I'd like to wish these experiences on the doctors and their families for their disbelief, I can't. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. But let's hear how they try to explain it. According to doctors, why or how it happens isn't clear. Researchers believe that sleep paralysis is caused by a disturbed rapid eye movement because it mostly happens as people are falling into or coming out of REM sleep. During that stage, their brains normally paralyze their muscles anyway, so they don't act out their dreams. But during sleep paralysis, the sleeper is awake or half awake, which is why they're aware that they can't move. Studies show that between 25 and 50% of Americans have had sleep paralysis at least once. Sleep experts believe that sleep paralysis might be partly genetic. Other causes include stress and disrupted sleep schedules. Several studies have also found links between social anxiety or panic disorder and sleep paralysis. These geniuses go on to say that clearly an episode of sleep paralysis can be scary, which has led some to have unorthodox theories. Well, as unorthodox as it may sound to the medical world, I don't buy their claims for one cent. And as to the claims that it can be genetic, possibly... I know that many cases of generational demonic possession and oppression can shine some light on this theory. So it's definitely possible that there's a generational demonic oppression going on here, or even possession. But should we call it genetic? And the fact is, research shows that people in all countries around the world, we're talking China, East Africa, Mexico, Germany, all of Europe, the United States, I could go on, all these countries have long believed that sleep paralysis is caused by demons, witches, or other supernatural creatures who sit on the chest of the victims, and sometimes they try to have sex with them. Oftentimes, the experience is accompanied by strange and eerie noises, even buzzing sounds, sensations of being dragged out of bed or flying, difficulty breathing. In fact, some researchers believe that sleep paralysis is what's really going on with stories of alien abductions. So right off the bat, we can see connections to demonic activity. There's no other way to look at this. For centuries around the world, it has been a well-known fact that what we call sleep paralysis in modern terms is a demonic attack. Oftentimes, a male entity will attack women and sit on their chest, while often with men, they would be attacked by a female entity. While these scenarios aren't always applicable, they do tie back to the medieval tales of incubus and succubus demons. Popularly in Southern Americana folklore, it's also known as being ridden by the witch. It can affect both the possessed and the oppressed. Not all demonic oppression is brought on by sinful living. Let's make sure that we have this straightened out for anybody who's in doubt. As Christians, oppression comes in many shapes and sizes as part of our daily spiritual battles. Interestingly, I found out this little tidbit. Even the medical world has coined the nickname the demon in the bedroom. 
in reference to sleep paralysis. So they deny the demonic realities of it, all the while coining such a nickname. And from my research, sleep paralysis, while extremely terrifying, doesn't always involve physical manifestations. One woman even tells the story of becoming paralyzed and then hearing a whisper in her ear, telling her, I just came to tell you good night. While that's definitely a light experience compared to most of the cases I've studied, it still terrified her. Many others report that they had a strong and visible presence hover over them or hover next to them while they laid in bed, and then it simply kissed them on the cheek good night. As a matter of fact, Mary Callie of Next Chapter Radio had this type of strange demonic good night kiss happen to her multiple times as a child, and it freaked her out. Now, I want to get into a few cases that are on record. One victim wrote this. Before I learned to cope with it, I'd seen quite a few awful things. Horror films don't really do anything for me anymore because I've already seen the most terrifying things I possibly could in my own life. Here are a few things she reported. She said, I saw a little girl in the corner of my room and she was staring at me. Then without notice, she shrieks and runs up and starts choking me. Another time, a large dark figure, kind of a human-shaped silhouette, emerged from the foot of my bed and started staring down at me. Then something started banging and scraping on my bedroom door. I now keep it locked at night because I've had experiences where it opens by itself. My bedroom door opening by itself is followed then by dark figures coming into my room. She continued, the earliest one that she can remember is with her mother in the room and she's sitting on her bed. And then all of a sudden her mother's face morphs into the face of a demon. There have been many others, she says. The worst thing is when you try to fight or call for help and you can't. Your voice doesn't work and your body won't respond. You lay there just feeling helpless. The next victim writes this. I have experienced sleep paralysis literally hundreds of times. To me, it's usually a slick, black, alien-type creature about four feet tall, although I've seen a Grim Reaper-type figure as well. Now, as I dug deeper in this research, I found it really interesting to hear about a husband and wife both being attacked in the same night. The wife reported this. The worst experience I had was with a devil-like creature. He was red and black with huge teeth, and he sat on me. It felt like he was suffocating me. It just kept pushing on my chest, and I was terrified. I couldn't move, and I couldn't scream. What made it really bad was after I woke up, my husband woke up, startled, and told me something had been pressing on his chest, trying to kill him in his sleep, too. All in the same night. All in the same bed. Now, I'm going to cover one more victim's accounts of sleep paralysis, and he's got a few, and he's a Christian, and then we're going to move into the next area of research. He wrote this, I had my first experiences with sleep paralysis in 1996 when I was 16. I woke up in total paralysis and could see around my room. My room was exactly the same. The door creaked open and a dark figure entered. In this occurrence, I didn't have the choking or sitting on my chest. But then all of a sudden it transformed into an involuntary out-of-body experience where my spirit was floating uncontrollably above my bed. I could see my brother in his bed next to mine, and I was trying to get back in my body. He says, I didn't have another experience until 2005, and I've had about 15 experiences since then. It usually happens to me just in the moment of falling asleep, 
or shortly after. I feel the tingling rushing down my body from head to toe, as one would feel when a muscle is going to sleep. At this point, I've had a variety of experiences, but I'll start with the most common, seeing one or two shadowy black figures standing at the end of my bed. They're staring at me, and upon seeing them, it is the worst terror imaginable. Sometimes they aren't there at first, and then the door creaks open slowly, and then they enter. One time they had on hoods, and their eyes were red and glowing. Another time a bright light shone into my bedroom window, and I clearly saw the typical alien figure with the large round head and huge black eyes. Besides the intense fear, there is always the sense of an evil presence, even in the times when I don't see an entity. Many of the times I'm being strangled and I feel a real pressure on my chest. There are also times when I interact with my wife and my kids in my bedroom. But when I finally get out of the sleep paralysis state, my entire family is sound asleep. One time I even heard my son calling for help in his bedroom. So I walked over there only to find his window open. And then I reached to close the window and a black cat with evil glowing eyes bit my hand. I couldn't shake the cat off my hand. At that moment, a hideous voice screamed audibly, We're going to kill your children. Another time, the demonic figure with glowing eyes was at the side of my bed, and it leaned over my head and pressed towards me to attack me. First, I just heard growling, and then he screamed his name in my ear three times, Darius, Darius, Darius. I could feel his hot breath in my ear. I have also been talking to my wife during sleep paralysis, and then she turns into a demonic figure that then attacks me. This type of occurrence is pretty common as well. He concludes by saying this, I have read extensive materials over the years, and tons of theories, but have come up with my take with what sleep paralysis really is. Although I am an active Christian, I don't agree with what most Christians say about it. I believe what the Bible teaches about demons and that there is a spiritual dimension that is unseen to our human eyes. I totally agree with this guy. Now I want to sum up the sleep paralysis study before we move on to the next topic. It's clear that this is a demonic attack. They can range in degrees of severity, but there's nothing normal about it. We can accept an idea of our muscles getting paralyzed every once in a while when we're falling asleep. Okay, that's reasonable. But when we tie in the demonic entities and presences surrounding the victims, physically assaulting and touching and talking to them, threatening them, and the sometimes present demonic sounds and noises, I think it's pretty obvious that we're dealing with demonic attacks, sometimes pulling our spirit into full awareness in the demonic realms. But I want to move us into a pretty alarming area now. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the horror movies, The Nightmare on Elm Streets, but how many of you are aware that the filmmaker behind the movies got his ideas from a demonic reality? If you thought The Nightmare on Elm Street movies were scary, just wait until you hear the terrifying true story that it was based on. Before we get into the official story, let's hear what the filmmaker said in an interview. Wes Craven has revealed that he came up with the idea for A Nightmare on Elm Street after reading an LA Times article about a family that had survived the killing fields in Cambodia. They made it to the United States, but a young boy in the family still found himself haunted by terrible nightmares while he slept. 
He told his parents that he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would eventually get him. So he tried to stay awake for days at a time. When he finally fell asleep, his parents thought that the crisis was going to be over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night. By the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare, laying in his bed. Now Wes Craven also said this. He said, Here was a youngster having a vision of a horror that everyone older was denying. That became the central line of Nightmare on Elm Street, the movie. While we know that Freddy Krueger was a made-up character and had nothing to do with the actual events, the actual events are more horrific than the movie could represent. And furthermore, there were multiple cases that were uncorroborated by the media, which showed up around the same time. It was a series of articles in the LA Times about men and boys from Southeast Asia who were from immigrant families and who had died in the middle of their nightmares. And the newspaper never correlated any of the stories. The papers never said, hey, we've had another story like this. But the third one that was written about was the son of a physician. He was about 21 years old. Everyone in his family told him repeatedly, you must go to sleep. You must go to sleep. And he said, no, you don't understand. I've had nightmares before, but this is different. He was then given sleeping pills and told to take them, and supposedly he did. But he stayed up. Something like six or seven days. Finally, he was watching television with the family. He finally fell asleep on the couch. And everyone in his family said, thank God, he's finally asleep. They literally carried him upstairs to his bed. He was completely exhausted. Everybody went to bed thinking it was all over. And then in the middle of the night, they heard screams and crashing. They ran into the room and by the time they got to him, he was dead. They had an autopsy performed, and there was no heart attack. He just had died for unexplained reasons. What's interesting about this phenomenon is that it's very popular in some East Asian regions, first seen in the Hmong immigrants in the late 70s. The Hmong people are a mountain-dwelling people inhabiting southern China and the northern parts of Vietnam, Laos, and Thailand. But when the immigrants came over to the U.S. in the late 70s, the United States began to see this phenomenon take place. The medical term for the condition is sudden, unexplained death syndrome, a technical term which seems to be designed to make the scientific community sleep better at night. Scientists suggest that an irregular heartbeat might have something to do with it. However, there is no way to predict this syndrome in an individual. But as we saw in the previous story, the autopsy showed no sign of heart attack. And then we get to the Philippines. In the Philippines, it goes by the name Bengungat. And in Singapore, there's a reported 43 deaths per 100,000. The condition is rare, but it's also connected to folklore and myths surrounding a malignant spirit who sucks the life out of you. After a few reports in the United States, the CDC finally started monitoring the reports in the early 80s and there were 117 reported deaths between 1981 and 1988. Why would this only affect certain Asian men and boys? I believe it goes back to particular principalities and demons that are culturally connected via false religion and practices. Now, many people are going to say, well, it's all a bad dream, or it's just a nightmare. So to pay the due respect to the medical community, they actually have differentiated between sleep paralysis, nightmares, 
night terrors, and sudden unexplained death syndrome. How do they do that? That's a great question. Obviously, different attacks are more severe than others, but I still feel like it's all related to demonic paranormal attacks and experiences. Now, I want to move us into the phenomena known as night terrors, and I say phenomena because there's quite a few occurrences that get balled up into this category. A person suffering through a night terror may exhibit frightening behaviors. In the past, many people in various parts of the world have related these behaviors to demonic possession and oppression. This is really not a new connection, and it has a rich history. I remember as a teenager, one of the guys that I knew had a brother that suffered from night terrors. He said that the guy would appear to be wide awake in bed, and sometimes he would even walk around the house talking and screaming in total torment and fear. Sometimes he would even make his way out of the house and walk around terrorizing the neighborhood with his ghoulish screams, and occasionally he would even knock on people's doors. The ever-popular way to deal with this, according to specialists, is simply not to try and wake the afflicted person up, but they say to either let them finish out their spell or try to gently walk them back to their bed. I think the strangest thing about this whole phenomena is the fact that the person seems to be wide awake with their eyes open. All the while, they're experiencing something out of this dimension. You can't talk to them or you can't get through to them without forcefully trying to shake them out of it, which doctors say can be dangerous. But even more mysterious is the fact that the next day, the afflicted person has absolutely no recollection of any of it. We can usually remember our vivid dreams, and we definitely remember episodes of sleep paralysis, but not with night terrors. Another interesting statistic is that the peak prevalence of night terrors takes place in children between the ages of 5 and 7. That's the age range where children begin to become aware of learning their right from wrong. Some people believe the age of accountability starts between 7 and 8. Now, I really want to turn up the heat for any skeptics listening right now. I'm sure there's going to be some folks listening who may be thinking this can all be medically explained. So I now want to move us and talk briefly about the Perrin family, who bought a farmhouse in the winter of 1970 in Harrisville, Rhode Island. The house was definitely a demonically charged location and has a dark history, but that's not the case we're building tonight. I'm actually in the process of working on getting Andrea Perrin to the fourth watch to tell her story in the near future, but I want to make the connections in regards to the so-called sleep paralysis and night terrors. First of all, when the haunting started, things were less drastic, starting with simple poltergeist manifestations who would just kiss the girls goodnight. This is one of the most popular occurrences we see with the mild cases of sleep paralysis in its introductory stage. Generally, the girls are just laying in bed and then here comes this shadow creature or this manifestation, bends over, kisses them on the cheek, tells them goodnight. We've heard it, we've seen it, it happens all the time. But as the hauntings got worse, one sister began seeing the shadow creatures opening her doors and lurking around her room and physically assaulting her while she laid in bed. Sometimes she would be grabbed by the feet and jerked out of bed. Other times she couldn't move at all. Night terror behavior began in one of the sisters. She would walk around in the middle of the night with her eyes wide open and she would freak out, screaming bloody murder at different times. Something was guiding her around the house. And this was the beginning of one of the most horrific hauntings I've ever researched. But I believe that in all cases of night terrors, 
there is a demonic presence guiding the victim around or tormenting that person in the demonic realm as they lay in their bed. And this ties right back to my stance on sleep paralysis. While some claim these experiences are merely hallucinations of the subconscious, this would mean that at some point, all the victims would have had to have seen something prior to that event, planting a seed of fear in their minds. But the issue that we're facing here is that these same demonic manifestations are appearing to all ages of people all over the world of all different types of backgrounds. This in and of itself discredits the idea of these being hallucinations of the subconscious. Just want to get that cleared up. Now, interestingly, in the case of the parents, it's believed that it was a demonic spirit of a particular historic witch that was causing most of the torment in their home, which wouldn't be a human spirit according to biblical view, but the spirit would have had to be the spirit that possessed this particular witch. Now, historically speaking, this doesn't sound like a stretch, because for years upon years, the attacks that fall into the sleep paralysis category have been deemed as symptoms of being ridden by the witch. This actually makes sense when you think about it, because we have these images of witches who straddle their legs over the broom, and they ride their broomstick into the night. And so the same concept of having a witch or a demon straddling your chest, pressuring you on your bed to where you can't breathe and you can't move, it seems to make sense why they chose this term, ridden by the witch. We have several areas we have to clear up here before we end. Your home does not have to be on cursed land or even a known haunted location for these types of attacks to happen to you. The house that I live in has no demonic history. As a matter of fact, it's a newer home. There were no previous owners before the current ones. There has never been any witchcraft or occultism practiced in my home ever. But because of my ministry and all that I do, I was a victim. But at the same time, you may be suffering or your children or friends may be suffering because there have been portals or doorways opened in your home. If you're curious as to what types of things can open those doorways or portals, I recommend going back and listening to some of my previous shows. You can find one entitled Demonic Infestation and another one entitled Strange Occurrences. Or you could find the interview that I did with Josh Peck on the sharpening, which he's uploaded to YouTube. But there can be 101 different reasons for these types of attacks, and many Christians suffer from these. In the case of Christians suffering, it seems to be the enemy's way of trying to put fear into the believer and to torment the believer with all allotted force. And I'll admit it, when I was attacked, I was uncontrollably scared as I fought. I can't explain it beyond the fact that I was taken by unexpected forces. But God be praised, I finally got my voice back, and I was able to rebuke and command the demons to leave in Jesus' name. Now on that note, I want to bring some encouragement to you by means of solutions. If you or anyone you know is struggling with this type of demonic attack, there are a few things you can do, and I want you to really consider what I'm about to say. First of all, read your Bible and spend some time in prayer before you turn the lights off and go to sleep. Fill your heart and your mind with God's holy word. In your prayer before you go to sleep, ask that God would send holy angels to surround your home, protecting you and your family as you all sleep. I also recommend playing an audio Bible at a low volume while you fall asleep. 
This is not only proclaiming God's word in your home, but it's also filling your heart and your mind with the most powerful words and praises that ever existed. I recommend a free app called Bible.is. You can set a sleep timer on it so it won't play all night, or you can just let it roll freely. You also have to be firm in your faith so that if and when this strikes again, you're ready to rebuke these things and cast them out. Even while under paralysis, you can pray in your spirit boldly, just like I did. But if the attacks persist uncontrollably, and they might, many people struggle with this for years, you need to consider the following, fasting and praying. Some demons are so powerful, fasting and praying is the only way to deal with them, according to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. I also want to say this, and I know I say this somewhat regularly, but it's absolutely imperative that you examine your life. Are you allowing demonically charged entertainment or activities into your life? Are you bringing demonically charged things into your home? Are you fellowshipping with unfruitful and wicked people? Are your kids? I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 real quick. This passage commands us to have absolutely no fellowship whatsoever with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we are to reprove them. A priceless asset to understanding spiritual warfare is the epistle written to the Ephesians, ladies and gentlemen, and this was written by the Apostle Paul, and I highly recommend getting familiar with it. Now finally we must realize that it's not only the above-mentioned scenarios and actions that cause these things to happen. While I believe those to be the most prevalent, there are also the cases where satanic chosen ones will be commissioned to demonically attack the followers of Christ. Witches, warlocks, and all types of high-ranking and powerful occultists and satanists make up this conspiratorial group. And I truly believe that this happens more than we realize all around the world. All the more reason that we must stay strong and committed in our faith in Jesus Christ. Studying and praying our Bibles over our lives, seeking a closer relationship with Jesus Christ Yeshua based on His terms that are found only in the Bible. Meditate on the Word of God and pray without ceasing, friends. Ephesians 6.12 tells us this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's time to wake up and realize that the war is real. The battles and the attacks that we face every day, every night, they're real. They're not just coming after us physically, but they're coming after us spiritually. They're looking to attack us where it hurts. They're looking to put fear in our minds and fear in our hearts. They're looking to turn our faith away from God. I want to encourage everybody to take this information and pray about it. I know some of you are not going to agree with my stance on these things, but I believe when we line up all the dots and then we connect them, there seems to be some pretty telling evidence that what we're dealing with here is spiritual warfare. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, 
It's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy, and tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. That's the number four, T H W A T C H R A D I O. B L O G S P O T. dot com. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words "older posts" to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network. On Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.